I know what you guys are thinking. Haggai again, right? Um, Haggai is one of those books of the Bible that doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Um, if, you have your, if you have your Bible with you, you're not sure where to find it, your best option is going to be to get to Matthew and go backwards a little bit. It is number 37 out of 39 of the Old Testament books. It is super long at two chapters. You can read it in probably eight and a half minutes, six, if you're a fast reader. So we're going to cover it in, in two weeks here. Um, and it's an important book because it's going to help us reorient ourselves to running on God's time. Would you pray with me and we will study the word together. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us in a timely manner to do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, do any of you have a I'll be there in a minute friend? People, people that are constantly saying to you, they call you up and they'll be like, I'll be there in a minute, or they text you, I'll, I'll be there in, in a minute. I have two of them on staff here at the church, and, <laughs> and, um, and the rest of the staff knows that that means like 45 minutes from now, they're, they're going to be rolling in. Or have you ever gone to a store and, and you've asked an employee for help and they'll say, hey, give me a minute, and, and then 25 minutes later, they're, they're nowhere to be found. Or the very best one is when you call the customer service line and you hear your call is so important to us, give us a minute, and then three hours later, you hear your call is so important to us, just, just 28,000 more minutes. But how would you feel if somebody blew you off for 16 years? We're going to get there, we're going to get there, we're going to get there. 16 years, would you... Would you put up with that? Would you, would you wait around? It, it's hard to imagine somebody not getting the hint after 16 years of being pushed to the back of the line or, or completely ignored. Maybe, maybe at that point, you, you'd, wanna, you'd wanna call a spade a spade and just get somebody's attention. Hello, 16 years, I've, I've been waiting for you. Well, in the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Here's, here's why this is even mentioned. So that you get an understanding of how long this, this took and, and why this particular moment is the moment where God said, that's it. Now I want your attention. I have waited around long enough. Pay attention. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people, who are these people? He's talking to the Jews. He's, he's talking to the believers in God. He said, these people said the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai saying, is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while, while this house lies in ruins? God's house is in ruins and God has been waiting patiently for the restoration of his house, the temple, to become a priority of his people. Let me explain how this happened. So all the way back in the mid-900s BC, Solomon was the king of Israel, and he built this magnificent temple. It really was extraordinary. It was so extraordinary that people all over the ancient world would come and, and trek to it, to see it. It was made with extraordinarily expensive materials. And, and Everyone 
Everyone, believers and non-believers alike, knew about it. But to the Jews, it was a sacred place because it was the physical presence of where God would dwell with the people. It was holy ground. Well, after Solomon was gone, the people of Israel turned away from God, which if you read the Old Testament, is kind of the theme of the Old Testament. We're constantly turning away from God and moving towards whatever idol is right in front of us at the moment. So God raised up the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar, and in 586 BC, the Babylonians went into Judah. They destroyed the whole city. They tore down the walls of Jerusalem, obliterated Solomon's temple, left the whole thing in a heap of rubble. At that point, the Jews were exiled to Babylon, and 50 years later, 50 years under King Cyrus of Persia, about 50,000 Jews returned to Judah. Now, 50,000 is significant because that's not all of the Jews, but these were Jews that were really committed to the Lord. They, they felt the burden of the exile. They wanted to get back. They wanted the, to be back in the holy city. So they, they return. And when they arrive and they take a look around, they discover that nothing has happened in 50 years. Nothing's changed. It is exactly the way that they last saw it. Everything is still in a heap of rubble. So they who returned set about rebuilding the temple somewhere around 536 BC. Now, you've got to love those moments of renewed energy. You're coming back into a situation for the first time. You've got lots and lots of energy. It's, I liken it to when children are little and, and they get a pet. It goes like this. We want a hamster. We want a hamster. We really want a hamster. Can we get a hamster? Can we have a hamster now? Let's get a hamster. We're going to take care of the hamster. Okay, we go get the hamster. The hamster comes home. We love the hamster. The hamster is awesome. Let's play with the hamster. Let's go show the hamster to the neighbors. A week passes. Hamster dies. Nobody notices. Right? We forget that burst of energy. It's, it's, just, it's just gone. It was there, but now it's not there. That's how easy it becomes for us when we shift around our priorities. And so to the people, when they return to Judah, they, they, their hearts break. They see the ruin of the temple. They get energized about it. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to rebuild the temple. And so they start in on the rebuild, and it's, it's all going along great. But then there's these new locals that have moved into town. These are the Samaritans, and they hate the Jews. And, and when they see the Jews starting to get some progress, to get some traction going on, they, they throw down all kinds of of opposition. And when you're faced with opposition, it deflates your energy. And so the Jews are like, maybe not, maybe not. And that was okay. That was actually okay because, because consider that they returned to an entirely devastated town. It wasn't just the temple that was destroyed. It was everything. And so there was plenty of work that had to be done outside of rebuilding the temple. You know what that's like, right? There's always something that has to be done always something that has to be done. And so over time, the town came back to life. Think about, think about hurricanes, especially ones that are 10, 15 years back. Over time, we know that things do grow. You do rebuild again. And so we can understand that. So everything was on the rebound at this point back in Judah, except for the temple. When Pastor Sung and I were first married, we lived in the church manse. That's a house that's, that's owned 
by a church. And, and one day, we noticed that there was mold growing on the bedroom wall, the wall that was shared with the bathroom. So that meant that there had to be a, a slow leak somewhere. So we went and, and we told the church property committee who was responsible for the upkeep of, of the manse. Most amazing thing, that discussion happened right before an 8 a.m. service. By 10 a.m., that team had come into the manse, ripped out our entire bedroom wall, found the leak, fixed it, and left. That's the end of the story. There's no more to, to this story. Do you notice, though, that something is, is missing? They never replaced the wall. In fact, they didn't even clean up the old wall that they tore out and left all over our bedroom floor. The start was really, really strong, but the finish, just like the temple, never happened. Nobody ever got around to it again, and, and I'm sure that they meant to. It was probably the next thing on the list, but in the temple's case, 16 years came and went and nothing happened. So now it's 520 BC, and God has been on hold for 16 years. So he sends Haggai to deliver a very clear message. Like I said, two chapters long, one message. The time has come to rebuild the temple. Now, we might hear those words from Haggai, and in 2019, we might say, what's the big deal? It's just a building. But it wasn't just a building in the Old Testament. It was the dwelling place of God. It was the intersection of the people with the holy. So for the people to neglect the temple, it meant that they were actually neglecting God, that God was no longer a priority for them. And it wasn't just the immediate generation that was impacted. 16 years is a long time. We have 16-year-olds in this church their entire lifetime. And so by the generation ahead of them doing nothing for 16 years, what they taught their children was, God's not important. It's not, it's not a priority. At least not as important as other stuff. So when God says, is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while my house lies in ruins, it doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to have a place to live. Absolutely not. The key word that I want you to hear in this passage is paneled. Paneled. They are living in paneled houses. I love this. I love this. Because God's issue is not with housing. God's issue is with decorating. It's about priority. Let me explain. How many of you know who Chip and Joanna Gaines are Chip and Joanna Gaines, Magnolia, they're decorating people. They, they had a show called Fixer Upper. And, and people watch this show, um, and, and they, they really follow what the Gaines say. And one of the things about Joanna Gaines that just cracks me up, doesn't matter what the situation is, what the decorating challenge is, the answer is shiplap. It's always shiplap. We need more shiplap all the time. Well, guess what shiplap is? It's a type of exterior siding that people are now bringing inside. And you know what it's used for? Paneling your home. That's what it is. Panels in your home. And God's point to the people is this. It's not that you built a house. 
Go ahead and build your house. It's not that you provided for your family. It's not that you secured shelter. It's that now you've gone so far beyond the basics. You can't be bothered to put up the walls of the temple because you're at home looking at teal and turquoise and deciding which one is better for the lighting in your living room. That's God's problem, that you've moved so far beyond essential that you have made what is inconsequential a priority over the living God. Shiplap is now more important than Jesus. And Haggai follows that up with a classic question. How's that working out for you? How's that going for you? He phrases it this way. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider how you fared. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but you are, no one is warm. And you, you that earn wages, earn wages to put them into a bag with holes, which means that there is more month than you have money. You're constantly running behind, trying to keep up. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider how you have fared. Now, these aren't hard questions, but they are the type of questions that many of us just don't want to talk about. We don't want to face head on because when we have to ask them and we have to answer them, we're going to be faced with some hard realities. How do all those extra hours that you're putting in to earn all that extra money so that you can do all those extra things with all that time that you never have and then regret and get bitter about, how's that going for you? How's it going accumulating so much stuff that you don't know what to do with it anymore? How is that remodel after remodel after remodel doing for your stress level? How is working yourself into an early grave in the pursuit of more, bigger, better, how's that working out for you? How is that pace of life treating you as, as you rush from game to game and tournament to tournament, recital to recital? How is your soul doing when you go from cruise to vacation to trip and you never stop? When I read this part of the passage, I'm, I'm reminded of the movie The Greatest Showman. The, Hugh Jackman did it a while back. P.T. Barnum is his character, and, and P.T. Barnum was a man who came from nothing, and he went off in the pursuit of everything. And he thought, he really, really thought that he was doing it for his family. So he pushed and he pushed and he pushed and he went so hard that he almost lost his family in the process. And right at the height of, of having everything, he's working with the singer and her signature song is called Never Enough. And the chorus goes like this. This is all the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars that we steal from the night sky will never be enough, never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it will never be enough. If you've been pushing off God in pursuit of other things, you need to know that it will never be enough. If that's your priority, you're never going to get there. You're never going to have enough to bring God back into the full center and focus of your life. Because until God becomes a priority in your life, you're going to find 
but you have gone off in the pursuit of emptiness. And Haggai gives us all these examples of all the ways that we try to fill ourselves with food, with work, with material stuff, with alcohol, even with activity. And we've all done this. We've, we've all done this. We've all had that moment where we said, as soon as, right? As, as soon as this semester is over, as soon as I get back from vacation, as soon as the kids graduate from college, as soon as I retire, as soon as I get through this, then I will. Well, here's the problem. 16 years goes by and we're still waiting for that as soon as. It's really about getting our priorities straightened out. I graduated from Ecker College in 1999. You can do the math on that later. I'm proud of myself because I did it a year early. And, and I was so excited that spring because I got this super lucrative job offer. Um, it, was actually, it was actually for a church right here in, in Bradenton. And I was 21 years old, and my eyes were so wide with what I thought was a king's ransom's worth of money. I think it was $22,000. Can you imagine $22,000 for a 21-year-old? That was like $1,000 for every year that I'd been alive. It was pretty awesome. And I remember calling up my parents with this, this important and, and life-changing news, and my father who had just sent off the last payment check for a college that cost $48,000 a year. My dad, he was super, super unimpressed. <laughs> and, and it really wasn't about the money. That was the strangest part about it. It wasn't about the money. He was concerned because I'd already been accepted into Princeton for grad school, and he knew that I wanted to be a pastor, and he was really worried that if I didn't go right in I wouldn't go at all. That life would start getting in the way and priorities would start, start to shift. And, and statistically, they've done studies on this. This is true, that, that if you don't go right away, the, the, the chances of you going back just aren't quite as good. And Dad said, once this fails to be a priority for you, you're always going to find a reason to never get around to it. Well, that's where the Lord was when, when Haggai was, was sent to the people. They had pushed off the temple for so long that even the idea, just the idea of it being a priority was the furthest thing from anybody's mind. In fact, it was so far that, that they'd stopped making excuses. They didn't even bother to make excuses. They just didn't even think about it anymore. Thus, God sends a prophet to bring it back to the center of their attention. And when he did, he said to them, Go up to the hills and bring the wood and build the house. These are action items. This isn't, now I'm inviting you to think about this some more. This is okay. Here's the game plan. This is what we're going to do. Let's move. And he reminds them, he reminds the people, we've already done it your way, where you went off and you looked for other things and you thought about it and you contemplated it and you prayed about it. Now we're going to go up there and we're just going to build it. So go get the wood, bring it back down here. And then he talks about how there's been times where the people have been impacted by things that God has done in an attempt to get their attention. And God says, yes, I did this. Yes, I did. You did not return any, any profit on your investment, and here's why, because I was trying to get your attention. I dried up the land. I was trying to get your attention. Nobody's paying attention. I'm not a priority, so now I have sent someone to tell you 
person to person, voice to voice, hello, 16 years is long enough. But God also says, I'm with you. I'm with you. If you're getting back in, I'm going back in with you. We're going to do this together. I'm happy to have you. I want you. I want you to be involved in what's going on. And the people finally, finally got it. But it wasn't until God got their attention. And so my question to you is, is God trying to get your attention? Do you find that you are just working harder and harder and seem to be getting less and less, that no matter what you do, you're not fulfilled, that you want something more, something else, something better? Is God standing right in front of you and and you're pushing him back so that you can get a view of something else that you think is going to be better than that? And then maybe, maybe you're thinking, at this point, it's too late. 16 years is a long time. The weeds have grown up. Nothing's happening. People are distracted. They, they move on. But when the Spirit stirred them again, the people moved, and God welcomed their return. Some of us may feel like that. We may have had those seasons where we had the best of intentions, and it just sort of gradually slipped away. It, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't intentional. We weren't mad. We weren't angry. We just sort of just gradually shifted our priorities. Well, there's good news. The good news is that God is happy to have us back. In fact, God wants us to be back, and God wants us to be part of the work of the church. When God is our priority individually, then collectively the kingdom grows as each one of us spends some time tending the church. And for some of us, that may be tending the physical building that is the church, but actually what really needs to happen is that many, many more of us need to tend the church that is the people of God. Maybe you've been distracted for a minute or, you know, a decade. Maybe today is the day that this teeny, tiny, minor prophet that God used to call his church back to him oh so many years ago is now calling you to take a look at your priorities and to be a part of building and being the church for the kingdom today. God's happy to have you. He's been waiting at least 16 years. Let's pray together. Lord God, we confess that we have all been victims of misplaced priorities. And and it's so easy for us to choose other things and and to go in other directions and, and to say, as soon as, just let me finish, give me one minute, and one minute turns into decades. So we pray, Lord, that each person that, that hears the words of Haggai this morning is reminded that now is the time. Now is the time to put you at the center of their life, at the center of their heart, and that, that you welcome us back, that you want us actively involved in your kingdom. Help us to step up and to do that right away. In your name we pray. Amen.